Hi, and welcome to the Living Room Scripture Lessons. My name is Brad Constantine, and this podcast series is going to be about the book of Genesis. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to, to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. If you're interested in a deep analysis of the book of Genesis, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy what you hear here, and if you have any questions, you can share, link, and subscribe. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Genesis podcast. This will be a discussion of Genesis chapter 41. So Joseph is still in prison. Uh, The baker and the butler got out, one to uh, be restored, the other one to be executed. But uh, he's the interpreter of dreams, and so this is going to be coming in handy here. Verse 1, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by by the river. Uh, Let's ask the question here, first of all, how long was Joseph in prison? He was sold into slavery when he was about 17, and he was 30 years of age when he became vice-regent to the Pharaoh. Altogether, he served 13 years with Potiphar and in prison. The record does not tell how long he served Potiphar before his imprisonment, but that he worked his way up to the overseer of the prison implies some period of time before the butler and baker joined him. So it is likely that Joseph was in prison at least three years and possibly much longer. Verse 2, And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, or cattle, and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. Behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine, so Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. Now, corn is an archaic English word for grain. Uh, The corn mentioned in the King James Version translation is a variety of many-headed wheat that is still grown in Egypt and has been found buried with many mummies. So when we we read the word corn here, it most likely is wheat. Uh, Verse 6, And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief butler. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he, We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret, and it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored into mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. So he's got to do all these things to get ready to be in the presence of the Pharaoh, so he's got to make himself presentable here. You can imagine that uh, he 
was uh, had a beard and everything, being in prison. <clears throat> Verse 15, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it, and I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. <clears throat> and Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Again, even though Joseph has been mistreated this long time, he still has faith in God. What a great example for the rest of us to follow. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor and very ill-favored and fat-fleshed, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind, and when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke, and I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven ears, withered, thin, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears, and I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. <clears throat> and the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there, came, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, I wonder if he's pointing to himself here, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years, and let them gather all the food of, the, of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities." And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according Unto thy word shall all my people be ruled, only in the throne will I be greater than thee, greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck, probably a chain that marked uh, his position. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, Bow the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. <clears throat> it is commonly believed that Joseph came to Egypt during the reign of the non-Egyptians called Hyksos. There were Semitic-speaking invaders who conquered Egypt and ruled it for many years. They adopted the Egyptian culture, ruled as pharaohs, and their few remaining monuments and scarabs are scattered from lower Egypt up into Nubia. 
When Joseph was elevated to authority, most likely it was under one of the pharaohs. Otherwise, his non-Egyptian connection would never have been countenanced. And that was by George Horton. So now that Joseph's out of prison, uh, he probably has a little bit more freedom. So he can probably go to uh, YSA dances and firesides and stuff like that. Oh, wait. Uh, maybe that's, isn't that the reason for what's about to be happening here? Verse 44, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephnath Paniah. In other words, he who reveals that which is hidden, or God speaks, or God reveals. And he gave him to wife, Ezanoth. Oh, it was given to him, so he didn't meet her at a young adult dance. My bad. Some believe that Asenath was also Semitic. So remember that uh, the, the Lord's going to make sure that Joseph has a wife who's able to be part of the covenant. And, uh, and so his wife is as well. The wife of Joseph was Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the high priest of On. Dr. A.H. Sace, an English scholar and archaeologist, states that the name of this priest means the gift of the sun god. And the name Asenath probably is not Egyptian. He further says, Egyptian law prevented the marriage of Joseph with the daughter of the king, as none but those of the royal blood of Egypt might marry one of the solar race. But the priestly head of the state religion ranked next to the pharaoh, and in marrying his daughter, therefore Joseph was taken into the very heart of the royal circle. It placed him at once on a footing of equality with the highest nobles of Egypt. That was by Joseph Fielding Smith. In view of the emphasis placed on proper marriage in previous generations of the seed of Abraham, it is likely that Joseph's wife also was chosen for him through the Lord's influence. It may be assumed that the priests were of the same lineage as the kings of the dynasty, thus Asenath, daughter of the priest of On, who was given to Joseph as a wife, could have been Semitic. Joseph and Asenath became the parents of Manasseh and Ephraim. And that was out of the Old Testament manual. Uh, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, and Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. 46. And Joseph was 30 years old. This is the same age that Jesus was when he started his ministry. When he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls, meaning just abundantly. The 20% tax was not at all onerous upon the people since there was so much bounty of crops during the seven years. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field which was round about every city laid he up in the same. Elder L. Tom Perry taught, just as, is, just as it is important to prepare ourselves spiritually, we must also prepare ourselves for our temporal needs. We have been instructed for years to follow at least four requirements in preparing for that which is to come. First, gain an adequate education. Second, live strictly within your income and save something for a rainy day. Third, avoid excessive debt. Fourth, acquire and store a reserve of food and supplies that will sustain life. President Benson said, I ask you earnestly, have you provided for your family a year's supply of food, clothing, and where possible fuel? The revelation to produce and store food may be as essential to our temporal welfare today as boarding the ark was to the people in the days of Noah. In order to be self-reliant, we should have sufficient food, clothing, and shelter. We are therefore counseled to store, use, and know how to produce and prepare essential items. We are more secure if we are able to provide for ourselves in times of adversity, just like what the Egyptians are doing here. Verse 49. 
And Joseph gathered corn, or wheat, as the sand of the sea, very much, until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, which means forgetting. For God said he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, meaning fruitful. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come, according to Joseph, as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to, to you do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn or wheat, because that the famine was so sore in all lands. Two other years now passed in prison, probably more dreary and, humanly speaking, more hopeless than those which, he, which had preceded. At length, deliverance came suddenly and unexpectedly. This time it was Pharaoh who dreamed successively two dreams. In the first, seven fat kine were feeding among the rich marsh, marsh grass on the banks of the Nile. But presently up came from the river seven lean kine, which devoured the well-favored without, however, fattening by them. The second dream showed one stalk of corn with seven ears, full and good, when up sprang beside it other, another stalk, also with seven ears, but blasted with the east wind, and the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. So vivid had been the dream that it seemed to Pharaoh like reality. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream, only a dream, and yet the impression of its reality still haunted him, so that he sent for the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof to interpret his dreams. But these sages were unable to suggest any explanation satisfactory to the mind of Pharaoh, for we can scarcely believe that they did not attempt some interpretation. To complete all of his naturalization, Joseph's name is changed to Zaphnath Paaniah, which most probably means the supporter of life or else the food of the living, although others have rendered it the savior of the world and the rabbis, but without sufficient reason, the revealer of secrets. Finally, in order to give him a position among the highest nobles of the land, Pharaoh gave to him wife Azanoth, probably she who is of Neith, the Egyptian goddess of wisdom, the daughter of Potipharah, dedicated to the sun, priest of On, that is, the chief priest of the ancient ecclesiastical, literary, and probably also political capital of the land, the city of the sun. Joseph was exactly 30 years old on his elevation, the same age we note on which our blessed Lord entered on his ministry as the savior of the world the supporter of life and the revealer of secrets. The history of Joseph's administration may be traced in a few sentences. During the seven years of plenty, he gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, a notice which remarkably agrees with the representations on the monuments, which show that the contents of the granaries were accurately noted by scribes when they were filled. Then, during the seven years of famine, he first sold corn to the people for money, when all their money was exhausted, they proposed on their own accord to part with their cattle to Pharaoh, and lastly with their land. In the latter case, exception was made in favor of the priestly caste, who derived their support directly from Pharaoh. Thus, Pharaoh became absolute possessor of all the money, all the cattle, and all the land of Egypt, 
and that of, and that at the people's own request. Two things here stand out in the history of Joseph. The same gracious hand of the Lord, which during his humiliation had kept him from sin, disbelief and despair, now preserved him in, in his exaltation from pride and from lapsing into heathenism, to which his close connection with the chief priest of Egypt might easily have led him. More than that, he considered himself a stranger and a pilgrim in Egypt. His heart was in his father's home with his father's God and on his father's promises. Of both these facts, there is abundant evidence. His Egyptian wife bore him two sons before the years of famine came. He gave to both of them Hebrew, not Egyptian names. By the first Manasseh, or he that maketh, for, maketh forget, he wished to own the goodness of God, who had made him forget his past sorrow and toil. By the second Ephraim, or double fruitfulness, he distinctly recognized that although Egypt was the land in which God had caused him to be fruitful, it was still and must ever be not the land of his joy, but that of his affliction. If it, if it be asked why, in this prosperity, Joseph had not informed his father of his life and success, we answer that in such a, a history safety lay in quiet waiting upon God. If Joseph had learned the great lesson of his life, it was this, that all, of, all in the past had been of God, nor would he now interfere with further guidance on his part. The Lord would show the way and lead to the end. But as for him, he believed and therefore made no haste. Thus would God be glorified, and thus also would Joseph be kept in perfect peace, because he trusted in him. There is no evidence that at that time Joseph knew that God purposed to reunite him again to his family, far less that they were to come to him into Egypt. And again, that was by Alfred Edersheim. I bear testimony to the truth of these things and the wonderful story of Joseph here that we're reading. Um, we'll get into the reunion here very soon. This is exciting stuff. Talk to you later. Bye.